The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. And welcome once again to It Came From the Radio, the official of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking. I am here virtually distanced, of course, with none other than Dominic Definition Man Toronto. Hola, mi amigos. And we have El Man Jenny Feldy. Aloha, Radioheads. Welcome to the show. So on this week's show, we're going to have another Jaybird and Lee segment. Um, we have our new segment, uh, Chris Woosley's Chris Picks for Redbox. And uh, Elman Jenny Feldy interviews creator Tom D'Amico or D'Amico? D'Amico. D'Amico. Uh, but before we do any of that, we have to take it away with the news. It's morphin' time! This is brought to you in part by the fine folks of sci-fi.radio. That's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. As well as the fine folks of the Big Apple Con, which we are the official radio show of, celebrating with 27 years of comic books and pop culture stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. The next convention is scheduled for March 26th and 25th. Let me reverse that. March 25th and 26th of this year. Tickets are on sale now. And we're going to give a shout-out to our Patreons, of which there are. Danny Grillo, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Kyle Horn, Millie Portez, Newsday, Famous Resident Media, Unchkun, Shadow Rabbit Art, Yazin Array, Rosa, and The Hurricane. If you want to have your own little shout-out, go to our website, www.camfreel.com. There's a little button on there. It'll take you right to our Patreon page. And just for $8 a month, you can get a shout-out on our show. All right, so let's see. As we always do, we start with the sad news. Um, we have two pieces of sad news this week. So we have, oh, uh, no. So horrible. So horrible that more. we only have... Oh, okay. Oh, no. Oh yeah! Uh, yeah, sad news. Funny oh, you yeah. say. Oh yeah! Um, Snap into a slim gym. Professional female bodybuilder Tanya Knight died recently from cancer. Uh, Tanya was perhaps best known as the American Gladiator Gold on the original series from 1989 to 1982. 1992. Uh, she was 56. Um, Dominic, were you a fan of the original American Gladiators? I do remember uh, American Gladiators, and it was so hilarious that show and like yeah. the glitz and all the things they had to do and then they brought it back for a while and they had like gina carano on yeah. as crush or something yeah as crush because she can crush you and she can be your crush that's true um did um, <laughs> she die like what kind of cancer was it testicular it just says cancer that's terrible testicular? <laughs> that's so bad I was like, wait a second, there's something I didn't know, or was that a joke? Haha. Yeah, no, because I'm just looking at her, like, she took steroids at some point. Oh, man. Were you a fan of Google this lady. What? Were you a fan of American Gladiators there, Jen? Yeah, I thought it was really cool. I would picture it a lot of times when I was doing other things in life, you know? Yeah, so I was Jen, a fan of American Gladiators. So. You're a personal trainer. Google this person and tell me this did not happen without some sort of extra special super juice. Okay, you got it. I'll come back to it. Okay, okay, okay. So, Let's see. So moving uh, on, while she's looking up, we're going to move on to the next bit of sad news. And she might have just ate a lot. 
Yeah, okay. Sure. I'm pretty yeah. certain if you saw it were to test her, like her urine would have melted the cup. You think so, really? Mm, come on. That's terrible. I don't know. That's I feel terrible. like if I ate a lot of meat and whipped it, I would yeah, really look like that, maybe. Okay, okay. We'll go on. So, <laughs> ah. Moving on. Uh, Director, writer, and producer Hugh Hudson also died recently. As of this recording, no cause of death has been announced. He was perhaps most famous for directing the 1981 film Chariots of Fire, a film which we have discussed uh, as part of another sad news segment on a previous show. Yes, um, the composer of the aforementioned film had also died. So now we have the composer of the film die, and then the director of the film died. Uh, He was 86 years old. I talked about uh, Chariots of Fire, the whole thing about how I only watched the beginning of the movie to hear the song and never actually watched the entire movie. Mm, you watched more of it than I have. And uh, Jen, did you watch uh, Chariots of Fire? I forgot. No. Right. No. So that's it for the sad news. So we're going to move Amen. off of Amen. R.I.P. See you later. Sorry about that. Sorry to hear you're dead. We're going to move on to the not as sad. Though. That's interesting. Yeah, great stuff to listen to Tarzan. Yeah, and he also did Tarzan Revisited. Hmm. Did you see a Grace Oak by chance? I'd seen parts of it. I mean, for me, like I remember watching it and going like, hey, look, the Highlander's in it. You know? Gotcha. So moving on to the not sad news from the... That's a lot of nuts! Department. That's our most busy department. The new Magic Mike sequel, Magic Mike's Last Dance, has taken a number one spot in the domestic box office, pulling in $8.3 million in ticket sales in its first week of release, being out the Avatar sequel, which holds the number two spot with an additional $7.2 million. For those of you keeping track, the aforementioned Avatar sequel is still the highest grossing film of this year so far, with $246 million, followed by Puss in Boots with $102 million. Uh, Magic Mike comes in at number 14. So uh, here we are. Avatar is now the big uh, winner for the year. Do you think it will manage to hold on for the entire year? What do you think there, Dominic? No. no. Jen says no. Dominic says no. No. All right. No way. Okay. Magic so, Mike's going to blow it away. They're going to pelvic thrust it out. I mean, look, Magic Mike, it's got something for everything. It's got Channing Tatum for the ladies. it got Selma Hayek for the guys. I mean, who, No, who, Channing Tatum's for the men. That too. His it's for everybody. It's, it's for all the kinds of guys out there, plus something for for the ladies too. Yeah, and like, grandmas. It's and mostly grandmas. men and grandmas. Uh, wow. Yeah, you know, like it's come on, Channing Tatum. He's 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 adorable. He's adorbs for elderly ladies and young men. Yeah. So speaking of elderly ladies and young men, from the I'd buy that for a dollar department. <laughs> ladies and young men. I think I've seen some movies on the internet that start with such premises. Or prop store is holding an auction <laughs> for Brian Cranston's underwear from the series Breaking Bad. The prop is listed as a quote closet unquote pair of underwear that appeared in Walter White's closet throughout the series with an asking price of fourteen hundred dollars, but is expected to run around five thousand dollars. Now. That's a kind of a low thing as we've been talking about tons and tons of things being on auction. But do you think mm-hmm. there that people will want this item? Hell yeah. Five thousand dollars. You would buy yeah. a pair of underwear for five thousand dollars? I didn't say I would Definitely. buy it. I think people would want it. Wait, so you, Have you, you ever watched you, you wouldn't buy it. You wouldn't want it. Um, but uh Jen, would you want it and or buy it? 
Yeah, what else could you need? Like a second car or a $5,000 pair of underwear. I mean, you tell me, you know? But I will tell you, you know, I always say that things that happen in real life are happen on the show. Yes. Uh, right before this, I opened one or two emails. I don't think any more than that. And one of them was asking me, it was a follow-up, asking me to uh, buy my underwear. So here we go again. <laughs> Happens in my life, and then it's a topic on the show. Look well, at that. you should ask them for $5,000. <laughs> Yeah, I will. Okay, that's all I'll do. I'll let you guys know. That's what's going to happen. So we'll, we'll find they've out. They've already the, done. Uh, they they already did a Breaking Bad auction back in 2015. So yeah, all right. They sold like Walter White's shirts, Jesse Pink's like um, red puffer vest. So they've sold stuff off from the show already. All so right. I wouldn't be shocked. Plus, like just trying to be like fans that. of Breaking Bad are pretty legion. Okay. Have you ever watched Breaking Bad? I have never seen an episode. Of course you haven't seen an episode of Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. So, moving on from the... All I can uh, tell you is one of the best shows ever made. Okay. So, Even moving on. You're not going to watch it. From the... It's only cheating if you get caught. Department. Actress Andrea Risenborough's Best Actress nomination in the indie film, quote, To Leslie, is apparently under investigation by the Oscars. Turns out that, according to reports, actress Mary McCormick, who also happens to be the wife of the film's director, Michael Morris, quote, opened her own Rolodex and personally asked every celebrity she knew to watch and post positive sentiments about Andrea's performance in the film. And Andrea, quote, used her own money to help the campaign in its early stages. In one email obtained, it reads... If you're willing to post every day between now and January 17th, that would be amazing. But anything is helpful. So please do whatever makes you comfortable. And what's more comfortable than posting about a movie every day? Um, now, the issue at hand is that the rule clearly states, quote, film companies may not send a member more than one email and one hard copy mailing per Monday through Sunday seven-day period for each film the company represents. And all emails are supposed to go through an Academy-managed e-blast system. The Oscar says <clears throat> it is the Academy's goal to ensure that the awards competition is conducted in a fair and ethical manner, and we are committed to ensuring an inclusive awards process. We are conducting a review of the campaign procedures and around this year's nominees to ensure that no guidelines are violated and to inform us whether changes to the guidelines may be needed in the era of social media and digital communication. We have confidence in the integrity of our nomination and voting procedures and support genuine grassroots campaigns for outstanding performances. On top of all that, it has also been reported that Andrea's nomination may have come at the expense of actress Viola Davis and Daniel Deadweiler, who are expected to be nominated for the films The Woman, King, and Till. So, Dominic, do you think that people trying to promote their movie in any way, shape, and form is right, wrong, or is this being blown out of proportion? Uh, It's a giant... Uh, popularity contest that people campaign for for months this is blown out of proportion this is what hollywood has done for years it became like they uh, you you can't open the new york times without reading like for your consideration you see even general uh, uh advertisements to the public for your consideration i don't get to vote why are they putting these things out but they politic and politic they need camp ca- campaign finance reform for the oscars for christ's sake this is, I mean, it's ridiculous. You know how they used to pick best actor, best movie? How? 
on the very first uh some of the very first oscars they just went around and asked everyone at the table so who do you think should win huh. i mean what? it's just one giant like back slapping like circle so what do you think there jen I guess as someone who's strongly into the independent film world and not into the mainstream world almost at all. I mean, optimum commercial, 50 cent commercial, a couple of little splatters, but no feature films. I would say this just proves that Hollywood really uh, isn't that much different or more virtuous or more moral than the independent or more civil, uh, organized, uh, evolved, evolved than the independent world. Because independent world, you'll get messages from people all the time. Please vote for me for this. Please vote for me for that. And it's like, you know, please click like on this. Please like my post. Please like and comment. It's like the same thing, just in a different forum, you know? I'll agree with that. I mean, we've we've had a dubious relationship with award shows on on our show. And I always think that... Well, I mean, it's one-sided. We've never been invited to award shows. (laughs) Or have we? (laughs) It depends what kind of award shows you have. We have uh, the Mark Awards, which are given out every year. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I think it still has been summed up perfectly by Ricky Gervais, where he's like, none of you have any real-world experience. You have less education than Greta Thunberg. When you come up here, just get your award and leave. Like, you have no right to lecture mm. anyone about anything. All right, so mm. fair enough. So uh, moving on, let's see if we can fit Very this Very interesting, in. yeah. From the... No Ride for You department. No Ride for You! It has been announced that in the Mario Kart Bowser's Challenge ride, which is part of the Super Nintendo World at Universal's Hollywood theme park in Florida, oh, Hollywood, yeah, Hollywood theme park in Florida, will have a restriction of a 40-inch and above waistline, meaning that if you can't fit in that seat, you will not be allowed to ride. Of course, the internet is swift to attack the policy due to the, quote, above average waistline of most Americans. Now, to be fair, Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey and Revenge of the Mummy, Rise of the Ride, also cite the same 40-inch limit, and there are no, quote, weight restrictions per se on any of Universal's theme park attractions, which is why they have test seats at the beginning of the ride. So basically, they're saying if you're if you're too fat or have such a wide waistline, you can't enjoy the ride. Yeah, wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, forty is really not that big, so you have to really got get it together in life in some way to be on this ride, you know. So I don't know how big forty inches is. So what's well? A... I'll just say mine's like between twenty-seven and thirty. So okay. Now add ten, so you got about. You got about 10 to 12, what I got, to fit the ride. And that's not that much big. It's not that big, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, look, I'm about 40-inch waist, so. You're 40, so you're basically on the on the, the cusp of the ride. And look, part of it is that Americans are just getting fatter. But mm-hmm. part of it is also just ridiculous, too. You know, most American sizes are actually inaccurate. They've made them Crazy. artificially smaller so people don't feel as fat. So that's so that brings the question: Should they make the rise to be to ac- accommodate people who have larger waistlines, or yeah, not even bother and not make the ride at all? Because now we're all about you know everybody well, has a participation trophy and what have you. You can't not make the rides because these are amusement parks and they live off of attractions of rides. Okay, so then why make it so, just such a smaller inch waist? That Isn't that the same be, thing? Well, in this particular case, we're talking about extreme engineering. 
So it's probably made for 40 inch wide waists and so on, because that is what is affordable and what could the, like the tension strength of the steel and everything. That's that what I'm thinking. Yeah. And can handle. So if you want to go for bigger people, you're going to need more expensive or just more of a material that yeah. might be cost, not cost effective. Yeah, and there's like, also yeah. another aspect of like, I don't, I don't know how many companies actually build um, amusement park rides, but I can't assume there's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Maybe three to four total in the world, or you know, at least a, no more than a dozen, I would assume. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, how many amusement parks are there around the world? Right. So if this is really more or less a first world or even American problem of expanding waistlines, why are they going to change? their um standards just for america it's kind of like when coca-cola decided like and and pepsi too everywhere else in the world liquid is measured in liters we are not doing gallons we're doing liters when was the last time you bought a gallon of soda you don't you buy a liter or two liters so they're probably determined like we don't have this issue in china china brings in more money than america we're not going to change this. This is it. It's going to be 40 inch waistline. When was the last right. time you saw someone fat in China? Uh, Samuel Hung. Okay. Name another one. Uh, Samuel Hung. <laughs> exactly. And he, and he isn't even that. Fat, but, I know one know. more, but I can't name it because he's young and he's over the age of 20, but I don't want to be accused of the Razzie situation. Uh, yes. So right. I'm not going to pick on anyone who has the brain capacity of someone under 18. Right. Fair, fair enough. But my point being, it's probably a marketplace issue that it's like, yeah, we don't need. They've probably done the cost benefit analysis and realized we don't need to go bigger. We're not going to lose any money. Huh. Yeah, the way I see it is like, let's say you have all the tools for a hamster wheel. Okay, not that expensive. Yeah. Now you're going to have a wheel for five hippopotamuses, hippopotami. You know, much more material, much more expensive. So humans they want the less hippopotamusy humans it makes me think of um just this when you mentioned the hamster wheel it made me think of american gladiators and then made, what if they made like american american gladiators oh, <laughs> well, i would yeah. love to watch that show oh god right all right so from what i just googled <laughs> there's a hundred roller coaster firms oh wow and you getting a, a job in this industry is, is extremely competitive. There are just 100 roller coaster firms in the United States, most of which employ mm-hmm. small, highly specialized teams of 10 to 15 people. So I'm telling you, it's not worth it probably for them to do this, to, to expand. And I'm sure even though they're just in the United States, I'm sure they're working internationally too. Right. All right. So we're almost out of time. So, uh, Elman, Jenny, Phil, do you have a final thought? Final thought is just... Get your peace on however you can. February is usually a more irritational month. So find things to give you some joy, you know, because summer, we've got a few more months until summer. So maybe take a bath, maybe get a massage, go for a walk, say some nice things, meditate, and floss with a nice animal. There's my final word. Dominic, you have any final thoughts? Uh, if you want to ride, ride a roller coaster, diet appropriately <laughs> and exercise. <laughs> Jen's a great personal trainer. Hit her up. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, what's more important, your health? Yeah. 
you know, or being, you know, your happiness, you know, or, or being fat. So, and how could you be happy without riding a roller coaster? I know. I'm very happy not riding roller coasters. <laughs> Me too. So my, my, my final thought is this um, for the new segment. Um, buy a Jen's underwear for $5,000 oh. and make sure. And I would love to see an American American Gladiator show. So people out there, make it happen. So with that, we're going to take our break and we'll be right back with the game from the radio. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. My neural net processor is linked to sci-fi.radio, the sci-fi for my Wi-Fi. The more I listen, the more I learn. Now, back to our show. Hey, this is Jay Burton Lee, and we're here to talk about movies, music, TV, and what's going on in our part of the world. All right, this is good. Today we're going to be talking about the Goodfellas, right? This is part of our Mafia series? Yes. Which should not be laughable. Yeah, right? Julie. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. Oh, really? All right, all right. Let's get going. All right, Goodfellas, starring Robert De Niro, Ray Liotta, who actually passed away this year, unfortunately. Joe Pesci, remember that guy? He was the Tommy in the movie. He was the short guy who was like, yes. I'm going to shoot it. You're, you're making fun of me, that kind of stuff. Yeah, Maybe. and he shot his foot, the guy's foot. Yeah, he shot that. Remember, this was based on a true story. It is? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Do you, so it was based on a real story about um, a mafia uh, heist and stuff. I had no idea. And this guy, Henry Hill, who turned into a rat. Huh. I didn't. I thought there was, oh my God. Yeah. I didn't know that was real. Yeah, it was based on a real story, hmm. you know? So what'd you think of the movie? Good. Yeah? Descriptive. <laughs> <laughs> How good? Pretty good. All right. Would you say it's one of your top films? Nah, I think Godfather is the top. All right. Well, we'll talk about that next time because this is part of our Mafia series, right? Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of Mafia movies that we're going to. We just spoke about The Departed recently, and we're going to keep on going down that whole world. Mm-hmm. All right? Mm-hmm. All right, so what did you think of everybody? What did you think of the movie? Actually, for those of us who didn't see this movie from 19... Spoiler. 72. No. Oh, 1980-something. Oh, yeah, I thought I was... 72? No, that's... Uh, I love how you spoke that's... so confidently. That's because it was, that's the first Godfather made in 1972. Well, we're talking about Goodfellas. Yeah, so that's fine. We're going to talk about Godfather next time. Yeah. All right, yeah. So, so let's go. All right, so what do you think? All right, so do you remember Robert De Niro? Yes. And he was the guy, Jimmy. He was good. He who's, was good. Who's Jimmy? You can't go wrong with Robert De Niro. Oh, you mean that good. old guy? The old, not the old guy. But yeah, he wanted all the money? Yeah, he wanted all the money. Yes, yeah, right. So, they, so let's talk about this movie and what it's about because we haven't really done that yet. Okay, so what's it about? Pop quiz, hot shot. No. Yeah, say it. You're on the show. Uh, it's about um, these uh, this uh, young boy that... Um, uh, sell cigars for uh, the mafia, or well, that's where it's that's one of the scenes, right? So, like we're talking about here, where it's like where it's about a guy, right, who grows up who wants to be a part of the mafia really badly. He's Irish, right, and he joins joins the mafia and and just his life and how he becomes a rat at some point mm-hmm. and turns on his buddies and what that life is like, mm-hmm. right? So, all right, what's one of your favorite scenes, Miss? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think when they're 
some reason, I can, they, they were all in the uh, bar. Okay. And they were, and he started to, like, and I, th- I forgot Which exactly how. Who's in it? It was when someone got shot. Like, they oh, started. Beating up that yeah. guy? Yeah, uh-huh. All right, so it was, it was the part where, like, uh, Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro and and Joe uh, and and uh, Joe Pesci's getting picked on mm-hmm. by by the older mafia guy. Yeah. Right. So you like that part? Yeah, it was a good part. And then afterwards, it was like, oh, because he was, you know, he killed the wrong guy. Well, he killed the he killed the guy who made fun yeah. of him, right? Yeah, which was a bad move. Right. Eventually, it was mm-hmm. a bad move. I mean, do you like the uh, so this guy was getting picked on, and he didn't like it, and he killed him. And that's kind of like set off like the events of most of the uh, uh, the rest of the film, yeah, Yeah. part of the story. So, what was your one of your favorite parts? I don't really know the selling of the of the cigars. Oh no, you said the part. I know you. You like the part where he was not going to school, right? That was a good part. And what happened? And then his dad caught him. His dad caught him, and then what did he do? He told his friends, the mafia guys, right? And yeah. And then he beat up the mailman. Yeah. To make sure that no letters were going. Yeah, all the letters from school to go to them. Right. That was a good part. That was a good part, right? What about you? Um, I think there's a lot of good parts in that movie. I like when he met the girl, uh, Karen, his girlfriend, the mm-hmm. Henry Hill, right? And he went on these dates with her, and they, they went into the show, and it was like this shot of like him going behind, going him going through the kitchen, and he was paying off all these guys and giving tips and stuff like that. And um, you know, he sat there and he pressed that pressed the girl there. I think the heist of when they um, started killing all the all the guys who were involved in the heist that was good, right? It was that, that was good. good. That was good. Any other parts, Riley? What about the the cooking of the onion, the sauce? Oh yeah, yeah that was a fun sauce. I, I liked um, when they um, did the, when they when he was teaching. Uh, what was his name again? I guess the Henry. Young, had, yeah, Henry had a uh, cooked sauce and stuff, and putting on like uh, meatballs or whatever. Yeah, yeah, when they were in jail. He's, he's slicing the onions. The onions, Henry. The onions. All right. Anyway, do you guys <laughs> like this one? Yeah. Yeah, it was a good one. All mm-hmm. right. All right. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And stay connected. Bye. Hey guys, this is Christy from Custom Cakes by Christy. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. I've been focusing on bread, soups, muffins, quiches, and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, I-N-C, K-R-I-S-T-Y. Text me at 631-606-8166. Now, back to our show. Hey, it came from the radio fans. It's Chris Woolsey, the king of streaming, here to tell you about what's sizzling on Redbox in January. Now, a lot of you probably know Redbox as the kiosks in your grocery store where you can rent physical DVDs. But what a lot of people don't know is that Redbox also has a free streaming service where you can watch thousands of blockbusters, Originals, exclusives, classic TV series for free at any time. 
So it, all you do is go to your favorite app store and download the Redbox app for your connected TV, your tablet, your mobile phone, or if you're on your computer, you can go to redbox.com and cast it to your TV. Um, just open the app and start watching. It's that easy. And because we're in awards season right now, I want to start off Chris's picks with uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, The King's Speech from 2010. This swept the Oscars. Um, it won Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Director, Best original screenplay. Colin Firth is unbelievable as King George VI. This takes place in the late 30s during the rise of the Nazi empire, and he has been tasked with galvanizing the people to stand up against this evil. Unfortunately, anytime he does public speaking, he has a severe stammer. And so Jeffrey Rush, who you might remember from Shakespeare in Love and Shine, is this unconventional un- unconventional speech therapist who's brought in to try to work through these issues. And together, you discover all of this history in King George's life uh, that have resulted in this psychological disorder. Helena Bottom Carter plays Queen Elizabeth. It's an amazing film. You've got to check it out. Um, If you're looking for something to uh, overcome the post-holiday blues, I would recommend uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower, which we also have for free this month. And that stars Emma Watson uh, from Harry Potter fame. Also Logan Lerman, uh, who's red hot right now from his role in the Amazon series Hunters. And Ezra Miller. And they all play these sort of Uh, lonely outsiders who never feel like they're going to ever find their people. And um, as fate would have it, they come together and they discover the meaning of true friendship. It's a really beautiful movie. I highly recommend it. Um, Another one, if you're looking to to bring a little heat to your chilly season, uh, is Come and Find Me, starring Aaron Paul. I'm a huge Breaking Bad fan, and Aaron Paul obviously plays Jesse in the series. And this is one of those gems that I don't know how this was not a bigger name when it came out, because it is a great movie. Aaron Paul plays this kind of everyman character who meets Annabelle Wallace, They fall madly in love and have this whirlwind romance. And uh, just a few weeks into the relationship, after she's kind of told him a little bit about herself and some of the things that she's come from, kind of a checkered past, she disappears and he can't find her anywhere. And as he starts to dig to look for her, he discovers that everything he knew about her is untrue. Um, it's a it's a edgier seat thriller. Uh, Garrett Dillahunt um, from Peaky Blinders is chilling. It is a great movie. Check it out if you like uh, movies like Memento or The Usual Suspect. Uh, suspects. This one is for you. Um, finally, just throw a little uh, fantasy in there for you. Um, uh, we've got Nicolas Cage's Between Worlds. Um, we have so many Nicolas Cage movies on Redbox for free this month that I told them they, they should have called it Cage Match in January. Um, it's it's a ton. This one is so bizarre. Uh, Nicolas Cage plays a guy who meets this woman who can go into the spirit realm while she's being suffocated. And come to find out her daughter is in the intensive care unit and she needs his help so that she can rescue her daughter. And so Nicolas Cage helps this woman out. She goes into the spirit realm, brings the daughter back. She lives. Everybody's happy. But then you find out that the spirit that she brought back might not actually be 
The Daughter. And I'm not going to spoil it because I'm not that guy, but you want to check out Between Worlds. Again, all these titles and way more are available for free on the Redbox app or at redbox.com. Check it out. I'm Chris from Redbox. Thank you so much. It came from the radio fans, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye-bye. Comic Book Depot has been in business since 1993. Your one-stop comic book shop for comics, gaming, and collectibles. The Comic Book Depot Club membership is $15 and gets you 15% off new comics, back issues, graphic novels, and 10% off comic book supplies. Located at 2847 Jerusalem Avenue in Wontaw, New York. Contact us on Facebook for curbside pickup because new comics are back. For more information, give Alan a call at 516-221-9337. The Comic Book Depot. Now, back to our show. Hi, Radioheads. You know I'm L-Man, and I'm here with creator Tom D'Amico. Now, Sir Tom D'Amico, I speak with respect. I have a lot of respect for this man right here. He, uh, A man who wears women's sunglasses, uh, but a manly man nevertheless. He teaches fighting. Um, he created a 50-page comic book. That's one of his latest works. That is a new and fresh take on the American sitcom Spare Roommate. So welcome. Hi, Jen. How you doing, L man? A little more intro on Tom. Tom's done a lot in this last few years. He really didn't sleep a lot, and I, I hope he's been sleeping more now. So, Tom, you've been produced films. He's been getting more sleep. Oh, good. Okay. You produced, he's produced films, music videos on very little sleep. Uh, you were the right-hand man to Lloyd Kaufman, which is one of the reasons why he didn't sleep much. Um, and Lloyd Kaufman is one of the founders of Trauma Entertainment, an independent film production and distribution company since 1974. So since you have a few years experience being one of the main people running Trauma, what skills or lessons that you learned with Trauma are helping you now with short films, working on a feature film, your comic book, which is hopefully going to be turned into a stop a stop action, a live action, animated film? Yeah, um, live action. I'm looking okay. to, to shoot it as a series, hopefully, eventually. Um, okay. I mean, yeah, really, so what skills just, are lessons? You know, uh, working at Troma, just like any other job, teaches you, you know, and has uh, benefited me in, in the sense that it's taught a lot of, got me at hard work sacrifice mm-hmm. and it, it teaches you to really uh focus time management and where mm-hmm. to put your energy and your effort be it projects mm-hmm. be it um you know different skills be it people in your life it you know you have to manage things all in a uh you know to balance everything you want to do especially someone like me and someone like you who have a lot of different interests and a lot of different creative outlets that they like to explore um that's been the biggest benefit i would say uh, mm-hmm. to myself I've been able to kind of balance a lot so since I've um since I've left there I've been able to balance doing a lot of different creative things uh without you know going too crazy or getting burnt out by any of them so so you're not burnt really out important. now <laughs> no if I'm not burnt out now I never will be uh I had to ask um, it as a personal question because I care about Tom's well-being <laughs> no I much I have a uh a much more, I would say, normal schedule now. Uh, I, I work a fairly normal nine to five job doing uh, doing graphic design right. and printing. Uh, I teach three nights a week. Uh, I teach Brazilian Jiu Jitsu in Tom's River, New Jersey, at RC Martial Arts. If anyone's from you know the air, the Jersey Shore area, come by and check us out. Mm-hmm. Um, 
between that and then like you know all of my career, you know, film stuff, comic book work. Yeah, you know, I have a pretty full schedule, but it's a, uh, a very fulfilling schedule. Like I enjoy yeah. every aspect of everything that I'm doing right now. So yeah, merging merging fitness with the arts is always a thing for me. It, to me, I, that's really balanced. But um, I want to go to. I mean, I'm sorry. I wanted to go to spare roommates. <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> I thought we were done. Your comic book. So I'll uh, go no, right uh, to that. Actually, just real quick, but with, with yeah. just what you're saying with merging everything. Um, yeah, yeah. Like martial arts. Um, you know, the term martial arts comes from uh, the god of war, Mars, mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but there's a there's an artistic expression to it. Bruce Lee had. You know his philosophy that w- was martial arts is the is the art of expressing the human body. Um, okay. I think there's a lot that goes in between mind and body, spirit, and all of that that you know creates like a harmonious balance to yourself mm-hmm. and your life if you can really kind of kind of put it into work and figure it out. Yeah, def- I mean, some of my favorite people I've worked with, directors or even just actors, are people that have some type of wellness routine. It doesn't even, and fitness is usually in there too. It just, they're easier to work with. They understand balancing time. They just seem to get things more where people who don't meal prep or have a fitness routine tend to be more of a nightmare to work with. That's just what I found. It's, it's, it's shit. Well, it's, it's one sign of a person that they do that. Like it's, you can do that. You can fit into a routine. You can keep doing, you can be on time with things. You can be, organized you can kind of sacrifice some of your own time for mm-hmm. you know betterment for yourself down the line so it does go hand in hand with work ethic and you know in in a way i definitely and pushing I, I yourself definitely see that pushing yourself pushing through pain okay. on a set you got to push through pain a lot of times so comic books have pain and I, I know filmmaking there's definitely pain um but it's okay so you wrote spare roommates now why should we care Pitch this to me. <laughs> Sell me your okay. book. Why should I watch this? Why should I read it? Spare, Spare Roommates is, you know, but, uh, as you mentioned before, my take on the American sitcom. I grew up on a lot of the 80s and uh, early 90s sitcoms, like Perfect Strangers and Full House and stuff like that. But I also grew up liking a lot of, like, weird um foreign TV. I grew up watching Degrassi Junior High and Degrassi High when I was oh, younger. Right. Uh, and all through high school, I, I was very into a lot of the British sitcoms like um, Bottom and The Young Ones, Coupling, Space, which was uh, much later on with uh, Simon Pegg from Shaun of the Dead. Um, so I took a lot of what, a lot of the things that I liked about the American sitcoms and kind of, I mean, there there is a formula to how at least the, the sitcoms of that generation were made. Mm-hmm. Um, I took what I liked about them and tried to add in the different things I liked about, you know, the, the humor from the British sitcoms, the, um, the seriousness and tone from, you know, the Canadian shows that I've watched. Um, mm-hmm. Canadian show, I guess it's really just one. Um, yeah, uh, and just added my own little spice into it. I think, um, me and my, well, my best friend Martin, who I lived with, uh, for a different period of time in, uh, in Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just like, you know, just like everybody else, we're no different. And, uh, 
anyone else has talked about how goofy our life would be as a sitcom. And uh, I did, you know, we would talk about things and come up with different scenarios. Um, one of the things that we always talked about um, was especially for the sitcoms of that time, like late 80s, early 90s, there was always themed episodes around holidays. Like there'd always be a Christmas episode or a Thanksgiving episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking about that. And I kind of just got into writing. Um, I was really into comic strips at that time. I had kind of rediscovered Calvin and Hobbes and had watched a documentary. I think it was called Strip about okay. um about just the history of, of uh, the newspaper comic strips and i thought it would be really cool to do like um a comic a comic strip about like our lives and like you know kind of sitcom it up and make it kind of hammy and over the top now uh, you um and- you managed a swingers club at one point <laughs> in martin maybe no, no, I, didn't, I, didn't manage, I just worked. Oh, you managed it. Oh, okay. No, no. Does this have anything to do with swingers? Uh, no, no, this doesn't. This would be, um, I think a lot of this was written previous to that, and okay. I I worked on most of the artwork for the for the first issue during that time. The first issue has been done for a couple years now. Um, yeah, and I really that. didn't do a lot with it once I finished it because I, it, I, yeah, I planned it out of a series, like a sitcom. Um, I have a first season or series, you know, written out. And, uh, after I finished the first issue, I got burned out by it. Um, mm-hmm. that I knew I wanted to take time away and do a few other things. So I waited, um, a little bit before I started working on it, the second issue and, you know, just hadn't wanted to put out the first issue until I was, going to be offering more you know to continue the story right um had briefly started working on on it um maybe that 2018 mm-hmm. um when i was living out in idaho um and then since since the time since i uh no uh, yeah haven't been at from entertainment um I finally had the time to actually kind of reevaluate all the projects and all the different things I was working on. Right. Uh, and that, that came up and, you know, I've been working on the second issue ever since and kind of just going back and figuring out all the things. Cause I was in a very specific mindset, I guess, while I was writing it and, and completing it. Uh, so yeah, putting myself kind of back there and getting back into drawing since I, you know, that, kind of fell out of being like a normal thing for my life for a while but you did draw the shot list I mean not most people when I work on a short film I feel like they're not drawing things because you drew out some of the things a lot of people don't even have probably behind my head right to over my uh my shoulder the shot list yeah I, yeah, um, so I mean, drawing drawing helps when you're making a film because you're either gonna have to pick, you know, stock images or stick figures or not have a shot list. People do that. Uh, not gonna, not a good idea. But um, I I wanted to um to me this just kind of highlights the point that I always I keep a really long list for years and I keep updating and backing up the list. And if I have an idea that maybe. I'm too busy. It's just not the right time right now or not the right phase of my life to do it. I put it on the list. I'm like, okay, in six months or two years or 10 years or 20 years, I'll do that. So this kind of reminds me of that. You know, you did this a couple of years ago, but then you're so busy with producing so many things. I mean, 
viral music videos, short films, et cetera, that now you can pick up on this because you didn't forget about it. It didn't just go to the back of your head. Did you put it on an actual list or this is just something you would never forget? No, I'm, I, everything stays in my head. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I figure. I do, I do very, like when I write, even when I write, as you, as you know, I'm sure um, it takes me a long time to put pen to paper, but once I do, I'm done in like a couple days because I've mm-hmm. spent all this time. I'll write notes to myself here and there and I rewrite little like scenes or little things here and there, but I, I edit it and go over things in my head so much that once once I know that I'm committing it to paper, I've already got most of it figured out and I'm really just putting it on paper so I can see it and visualize it in a different way mm-hmm. at that mm-hmm. point. So what are some of your luckiest or best choices you made while creating the Spare Roommates comic book? Um, I mean, honestly, to tell you the truth, just choosing to do it was one of the greatest things I've always loved drawing and I've always been like you know the absolute least amount of talent in it that you can get away with with people still knowing what you're what you're drawing so a lot of it was previous to working in film uh wanting to tell a story in a certain way and and this was almost the only medium that that I had to to be able to tell Mm -hmm. um so I really you know hunkered down and a lot of the if you look through the book I actually have Yeah, I'm going to put some images on the screen, too. Oh, yeah. um, Yep, I'm going to put some images on the video part. So, radio, sorry, you'll have to go to my YouTube and you'll have to see the images. They're pretty cool. Um, No, but just being able to, as you can see, like, in the beginning, some of the artwork is a little plain. The backgrounds are plain. Mm -hmm. Like, I really use this as my excuse to draw so much that eventually you see the backgrounds get more detailed the yeah. characters get a little bit more detailed That's so good. where the first and the, the first few pages and this is you know theme a lot of what i do with film and storytelling in general the beginning and the end always have like a secular feeling just like a song mm. like songs the best songs really start out the, the same way that they that they or really end the same way that they started out um mm. and if we start out in a conversation around a around a, like a sunday dinner Right. Pretty, pretty simple. Um, but we pick up at the very end of the book and just from like a little bit that I'll show you here, the detail, the amount of work that goes into yeah. it, it's definitely, it definitely picked up as I was, as I was working on the book. Um, yeah, we're nice. just doing it so much. So I guess that's, that's credit to, um, to the old 10,000 hours. Uh, adage of uh, anything you can right. do for 10,000 hours, you can eventually master. I don't think I mastered, and I still think I'm a pretty terrible artist, but I can do it. And I, yeah, I mean, I'm only getting better. So this is, this is one of the ways I can. Uh, it also helps, as you said, uh, you know, being able to do storyboards. Now I'm writing the scripts and doing the storyboards as a comic book and using this to go out and figure out how I'm going to produce and do a live action series. Mm-hmm. So it's really taken, you know, I mean, it's a longer steps in between, but I've also, it also helped me connect to the material. I mean, it's mostly autobiographical, so it'd be weird if I didn't connect, connect to the material, <laughs> but it helps me connect to the material in a more technical way as okay. I'm going through the process. So 10,000 hour rule, there's a lot of things I'm working on now. And I pretty much just decided the next two years, I'm 
maybe once a month I'll socialize something totally frivolous that's outside of my goals and interests just because I, I have a time. I have a two-year time limit for some things in film. Um, now, for you to hit this 10,000 hour, what things did you have to sacrifice? What things lacked your attention or what things did you have to skip out on for the last few years to get these done and to learn how um, to make a comic book and a short film and work on feature films? Honestly, a lot of it was like you just mentioned taking out socializing like I wasn't dating as much as you know what I mean I am now um mm -hmm. at that time I wasn't you know what I mean I just didn't I focused a lot on just just on, on just that creative aspect mm -hmm. um but you know while you're doing it it's not a sacrifice because it's what you want to do like I don't right I, I don't look back at it and be like oh you know I wasn't I wish I was dating more at that time because, like, if I wanted to, I would have been. I would have been doing a comic class. I, I always just do what I want. I know. I know that about myself. Yeah, I respect um, that. So yeah, no, like, I, you know, I mean, I don't ever look at it as work. And hopefully, that when you find those things that you really enjoy and that you can right. succeed at and progress at like that, that you, you know, I mean, you and yeah, people out there listening won't view it as work. It'll be just. Right it'll be just walking toward toward your your goal as opposed to working. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I mean I'm just updating my makeup and special effects portfolio and that's something I want to do. And the truth is I'd almost rather do that than just socialize or go to dinner or even go to a party. Parties are really boring to me just for now. I've I partied so much in my life. So I mean yeah, I, I, a lot of people who are friends outside of industries I work in are not really getting time with me and I kind of feel bad but at the same time I'm doing what I want, but I miss them because yeah, you can't do both. It and you're and you're happy. Now, those are the most important things. You're, you're yeah, doing I feel what you want to do. You're you're keep going. Because you know, people short, that are just friends. Be, yeah. you know, there's always going to be things that we're that we you know will miss out on that we don't you know. I mean, most of the time we don't realize it. Mm -hmm. Um, I really do think though that you know we only it, life is short, so. You just got to keep focusing on that and the things that we miss or the things that we sacrifice shouldn't be that. If if we do feel like we're sacrificing or missing out, then we're not servicing like that balance in our life to keep mm -hmm. it. Because I feel like I do, even at their most creative points, like I do go out and do crazy stuff because I'm not like a super creative person. I write about my life. So if I don't have anything interesting in my life to write about, then then I got nothing to, I got nothing to, to sit there and pine at home for hours and hours. Right, right. Um, and you also got to remember that the, you know, the reason that you're doing a lot of these things is because you enjoy life and you love life. So you've got to live it. You know, the reason mm -hmm. we're creative about, we're creative in ways is because life or things in life have inspired us. So we can't, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's like I said, it is a balance. Sometimes the balance swings one, more one way than the other, but it's mm -hmm. only in service to, to everything else. All yeah. the success you have in your in your film career is in service to your to your regular life to make you happier and to make you a healthier person. So, um, I hope you find you find the balance that you're looking for, and I hope that you I know. Think I mean, I you're, good. <laughs> I don't um, think I think I'm going to be more obsessive in dealing with people like you who are always in, you know you're involved in what I want to do. So now you brought so many written works to life probably in the last three years, I don't know, maybe a hundred pieces of written works that are just 
outlines. Well, I'm not sure about that, but you well, know. it definitely doesn't. I, would I say you doesn't. know what? I guess I guess what you whatever you would consider like. Yeah, I, yeah, I, okay. probably. There's certain sure, things I don't, so. I don't think of as work, and I don't think of as. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Even even a sketch, if you had an outline, you know, like we did a few short little sketches or promos. So you brought something that was on the paper to life. So several authors have asked me about, you know, how do I take my writing and put it into something that people can watch or listen or a movie or an audiobook. So my advice for the last few months, not that I'm qualified to give advice, um, but if they have zero experience, I just tell them simply get your friends or even better actors and have them read the stories via a recorded Zoom session and this lets the creator hear and sort of see what the written work will be in a narrated story or audiobook or movie format. So that's my advice. And then you can be like, oh, this, this story. They can see it come to life. I got you. Or listen to it. Because, you know, before a movie mm-hmm. I shot, we everyone went on Zoom. We read the whole movie. And then by the time we got to New Jersey to film it, I listened to it, recorded it twice. And we're like, oh, okay, this script is viable. We can turn this into a movie. And it, it's pretty cool. So what's your advice last question to authors who want to turn their written work into watchable pieces do it that's honestly there's no better advice than to just plain do it be willing to fail be willing to look stupid and don't care nothing no one ever did like something for the first time and it became like magic Mm-hmm. I'll take that back. I'm sure there's a couple people. No, that. there's a few. But chances are, you know, I mean, we're not the exception. I'm not saying you ain't special. I'm just saying that you shouldn't think of yourself as special. Go out there and mm-hmm. put in that time and the effort, but also be willing to do it. Be willing to look dumb or goofy or whatever and and put yourself out there. Try, try. Try different yeah. things. I spent many years not doing anything with film because mm-hmm. I just didn't. I didn't come from money. I didn't mm-hmm. go to film school, and I thought that was kind of how you did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and film. I mean, don't get me wrong. Film is expensive as hell. There's <laughs> reason mm-hmm. why I also like doing comics a little more too. Um, but that's not the case, and there's always a way to figure out how to get done what you need to get done. There's Indiegogo and crowdsourced right. financing. There's friends, there's network of people, there's social networking now that wasn't around when I was, you know, a, a kid to be mm-hmm. able to think of like, you know, these are ways that things could happen. You hear crazy success stories by people like Kevin Smith and Quentin Tarantino that almost feel like fairy tales. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when it comes down to it, you know, the, the journey of a million miles begins with one step. So you just got to, you just got to go get out of your comfort zone and say, screw it and do it. Right. And where can we find you on social media for people listening um, to the radio? Instagram at Tom D'Amico, uh, T-H-O-M-D-E-M-I-C-C-O. Um, also, uh, also on Facebook, Tom D'Amico, T-H-O-M dot D-E-M-I-C-C-O. Uh, and spare, uh, facebook.com slash spare roommate. Um, check it out. Uh, the book is, the Indiegogo is actually finishing up in next week, but it still will be in there on the, in demand. Cause it was, you know, I did it as a pre-order. I didn't do it as a, Hey, why don't you give me money to, you know, take the time to draw this and then print it? Like, you know, all the money is going toward printing costs and the money that doesn't go toward printing costs 
we'll go, you know what I mean? If there's enough left, we'll go to, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully producing at least a few minutes of the Spare Roommates pilot episode. Um, hopefully, yeah, you know, I want to get a sizzle reel together for that. So, and shop that around so I can, uh, you know, figure out some financing for, for the whole thing. I've, I was recently in Miami, so I shot a couple little things for like B-roll and exterior stuff. Okay. And we'll probably film the the rest of it in uh in New Jersey. Okay. All right, but, cool. Uh, well, I hope you all enjoyed you know, Tom D'Amico. And uh, now for more, it came from the radio. Back to you, Mark. Ever wanted to enter the world of comics but didn't know where to start? Worry not, true believers. We at the Comic Book School may just have the answer to your questions. Created by comics veteran Buddy Scalera, the Comic Book School is a free online educational resource that helps rising creators learn the craft and business of making comics through resources like forums, interviews, publication opportunities, publisher guidelines, and step-by-step blog posts. For more info, please visit our site at www.comicbookschool.com. Be sure to join our forums and follow us on social media while you're there. We'll see you on the message boards. Hi everyone, this is Tom Christopher. I had played Hawk on Buck Rogers on the 25th century, and you are listening to It Came From Radio. Hello friends, this is Ranger Rob, and I'd like to talk to you about dog poop. That's right, dog poop. I invented Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags, a very large bag with handles. My bags support large and small dogs and smell like lemon. They are strong and affordable. You can find Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags at Amazon. They come in sheets or in rolls and come with a dispenser. Once you try Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags, you'll never want to go back. So come join us. Go to Amazon and try Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags today. This is Carrie Hoskins. I play Sonya Blade in Mortal Kombat. You are listening to It Came From The Radio. If you had any honor, you would listen to Sci-Fi.Radio. The sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. Kapla! Now, back to our show. So that about does it for this week on the Came From the Radio. Join us right here any week on this radio station. If you miss any part of this show, tough. go to our newly revised website, www.itcamefromradio.com. The archives will be up in a week or so. Check us out on such places as btd.radio, sci-fi.radio, indievolt.com, centraloregonradio.com. Check us out on our places such as Facebook, Instagram, YouTube page, Twitter. And always follow the cost-benefit ratio. If the benefits outweigh the costs, do it. If the costs outweigh the benefits, don't do it. Or just Google, it came from the radio. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.